0: The Righteousness of Faith. Okay, get your Bibles, please. Open them up to Matthew 13. Go to Matthew 13 and... Verse 9. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. Good. Good. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why are you speaking unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. Whosoever has ears to hear, to him shall be given, to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, doesn't have ears to hear, from him shall be taken away, even that he has. So we could have something given to us and lose it if we don't have ears to hear. So many of you testified, you have ears to hear. We have ears to hear. 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which says by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. So they got eyes they've got ears they're seeing something but they're not really seeing it. They've got ears but they're not really hearing it and they're not understanding it. Why? We see and we hear based on the way we think. We're all looking at the same scripture right now. Some of you probably in different translations than the King James. But either way, it's the same thing. But who's thinking what about it? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you understanding? It's based on the way we think. 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross. It's gotten dull. And their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes, they closed them. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with the heart, and should be converted, or should turn, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them, hear you therefore the parable of the sower." When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Now he's going into the parable of the sower. So it's said back up in verse 12 that it would be taken away even which he had. Why? Because he didn't understand it. Why didn't he understand it? Go back to verse 4. When he was telling the parable, and he said, A sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. The fowler's the enemy, he's the fowl. Why did he devour them up? In Luke, he tells us that on the seed on the wayside was trampled underfoot. The wayside's the pathway. So it's hard ground, hard heart, seed sown, didn't. Didn't go into it. It's not the right kind of soil. It's trampled down. It's thought little of. Just walked on. Therefore, it's not understood. Pay no attention to it. So we're going to pay attention. We're going to listen. We have ears to hear. We're going to understand. Right? We're going to turn and we're going to be healed and converted and changed and transformed. Let's go over to Mark 6. <clears throat> Mark 6, 34 so many things had happened up to this point and Jesus and his disciples were just trying to get away from the crowds and things had gone on and verse 34 Jesus, when they came out they saw people he saw much people all these people are following after them but he was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and when the day was now far spent his disciples came to him and said this is a desert place and now the time is far past send them away that they may go into the country round about into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat he answered and said to them you feed them give them something to eat you do it oh (laughs) all right And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread? 200 penny worth of bread. That's enough money for an average person's wage at that time for 200 days of work. (laughs) But they've got thousands of people out there. Send them away. Let them go get themselves some food. And he says, no, you feed them. So they had some money, but there's nowhere to spend it. (laughs) So he answered and said unto them, I said that already. Verse 38, he said unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, five and two fishes. <laughs> and he commanded them to make all of them sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he'd taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them and the two fishes divided he among them all hmm and they did all eat and were filled something happened five loaves plus two fishes thousands of people eat and were filled do we think that way Jesus did shouldn't we five plus two equals five thousand men plus all those others Mm -hmm. filled to full and they took up twelve baskets full they had extra Mm -hmm. oh yeah extra you see what I mean by thinking seeing what you don't see hearing what you don't hear Mm -hmm. how do we see things how do you how are you computing how are you processing information who taught you how to think you probably don't even know When did it start? Started in the home? Being raised? School? We were taught how to think. You can only think this far. That's impossible. This is possible. You can do this, but you can't do that. No, that's just dreamy. You know, come back down. You know, get your head out of the clouds. Why? The world's been limiting us. 5 plus 2 equals 5,000 eaten and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and the fishings. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to go into the ship, to go to the other side before, into Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, toiling. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he comes unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. They're out there all night, rowing, toiling, getting nowhere, fast. They got far enough out to be in the middle of the lake. They had quite the head start. And here comes Jesus walking on the sea, on the water, and he would have passed them by. So what's quicker? Walking on the water to go to the other side or toiling in that boat? All those men rowing. Toiling. Jesus said he constrained them, go to the other side. I'll catch up with you later. (laughs) Yeah, and he he did. He did. He would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit or a ghost, and they cried out. They cried out for fear is what they cried out for. For they all saw him and were troubled. They were afraid. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it's I. Be not afraid. At that point, in Matthew, it tells us that Peter said, If it's you, Jesus, bid me to come. Now Peter's out there walking on the water. So it's not just Jesus, is it? And they weren't even new creations at that time. Mm -hmm. That was a natural man. Walking to Jesus. And he was doing great until he started looking around. While he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. And he began to sink. And he cried out, Jesus stretched out his hand. Peter got up and they walked back to the boat together. <sighs> Men don't walk on water. The density of water, it doesn't work. But oil rises to the top. Jesus was anointed. That's awesome. And with that anointing, he fed many, many, many people with the disciples following him. And he walked on the water, and Peter did too. And when he got his eyes back on the anointed word of God, he walked on the water again. Hmm. So the two of them Verse 51, they went back up into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore in themselves beyond measure. So there's Peter and Jesus coming back. They get back in the boat. The wind stops. And then I believe as John tells us that immediately they're at the other side. <sighs> That's quick. <Yeah. laughs> I'll just walk. Peter will come with me for a little moment. We'll get in the boat. All the storm stops. They're back over there. Done. So what's quicker, toiling or the blessing? Yeah. But they were, they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure. They're astonished. Like, what just happened here? They're just besides themselves. They're, they're fearful. They don't know what's going on. They're, watch, they're seeing it, but they're just bewildered. Why? Verse 52, they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What does walking on the water have to do with feeding people with loaves and fishes? Something. Because they didn't consider that miracle, their heart was hardened. Hardened, hard heart, wayside ground. The seed was sown, it was trampled, it wasn't considered, it was thought little of. It didn't change the way they thought. It didn't change the way they think. They saw it happen. They were part of it. They were in there. They were in the boat when Jesus got back in the boat. They saw him walking. They they were there passing out the loaves and the fishes. They saw the people eat. They knew they started with five and two. Five plus two equals 5,000 men fed with abundance. Consider that. Consider what? We've got dominion over situations and circumstances. We're not subject to them. Don't have to be. There's supernatural ways to do things. We're in, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and we need to realize that we are independent of circumstances. Circumstances depend on us, if we only realize it. The way we think and the things we say and the way we respond is what creates the environment around us. Right? We were born into this environment. We were plunged into it, all this stuff around us. But once you start getting to the point where you can do things for yourself and you're doing them, you start shaping your own environment. So let's shape our environment. Let's consider the miracle of the loaves and the fishes and think, what can I do with this? How does this apply to our life? What can we do here? Talking about revival. Talking about taking the city. and Talking about miracles. And That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Right? Let's go over to Matthew 16. They considered not. They didn't consider. Their heart was hard. So that was after the 5,000 were fed. This instance I'm going to read here is after the 4,000 were fed in chapter 15. So in chapter 16, verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Leaven. Leaven is ferment. So, you can, I mean, here he's talking about bread, so sourdough. <laughs> you know, you put leaven in it, yeast of sorts, you know, just something that will go in there and go to work. And it goes to work and it's active, it's moving. And it goes through at every part of that dough until the whole thing's bubbling up things that are fermented tend to be effervescent, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right? So he says, watch out for that leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? Because it's going to do that. It's going to ferment. It's going to get in you. Yeah. And they reason among themselves saying, it's because we have taken no bread. <laughs> <laughs> and when Jesus perceived, he said to them, oh, you have little faith. Why are you reasoning among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets you took up? And Mark's account of this, they answered him. They said, you know, five, two fishes. Neither are uh, 12 baskets, I mean. And and then verse 10, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets you took up? And they answered him, told him seven. And he says in 11, how is it you don't understand? You saw 5 plus 2 equaled everyone fed and 12 baskets left over. You saw 7 and a few fishes and so on and so forth. How is it you don't understand? Why are you missing this? This is him talking to them. Why are you missing this? In other words, we, we, we should understand by now. How is it that you don't understand that I speak it to you, not to you, concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What they were teaching, because what they were teaching will get into them what the world's been teaching us what we were raised in what we're surrounded by what we expose ourselves to and allow ourselves to be influenced by is leaven if it's television, movies if it's just the school I mean this nation when it started thanks Bobby for that thing on uh, talking about the what's that guy's name Yeah, but talking about the Canada. Oh, um, Bill Prankard. Bill Prankard, yes. I got that and I listened to it. And one of the things he said, Bill Prankard said, was this nation, when it was founded, the public schools were to be public Christian schools. Mm -hmm. That was the original design and intent. And the mission of this nation from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth, was evangelism. Spread the gospel. That's why this nation was put here. The dominion of Canada. To have dominion with the Lord Jesus and His gospel from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. That's why this nation was put here. How is it you don't understand? What'd they do? Oh, Christians let them take the Bibles out of school. I was too little to know even what was going on then. One day the Bible's being read every day in school and we're praying, the next time you're not. What happened? So now everything's 100% secular, and all these children are being plunged into this place being taught how to think like a Pharisee. So, 5 plus 2 equals 7, instead of 5,000. Doctrine of the Pharisees. <laughs> Back in chapter 15, he says their doctrine was the commandments of men. Religion. Luke 12:1 says that the doctrine of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Hypocritical religion. Just a big show. Let's get together, call ourselves this, and just act like it, and it's all a show. No power. No. No, we're not going to put up with that, are we? No. We're going to do what Mark 1, 15 says, right? Mark 1.15, Jesus said, The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Change the way you think and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Galatians 3 says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. In you, all nations will be blessed. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the blessing. Don't believe the curse anymore. Don't believe lack and limitation thinking anymore. Don't believe just natural only. Natural is important because we're in here. We have natural bodies. We're supposed to do that. But it cannot be something that we just subject ourselves to and say we have to be controlled by it. The enemy controls that. That's what the world's doing. It's all natural. It's all affecting the mind and the thoughts and the situations and stuff. And if we're subject to that, how are you going to rise above it? You can't dominate something you're in bondage to. Mm -hmm. Romans 12. Let's go to Romans 12. In verse 2. Now we need to realize that (laughs) thoughts come from two places. You're not the originator of your thoughts. They come from good or they come from evil. Why? Adam ate that tree. They're either holy thoughts originating from the Father God or they're evil thoughts originating from the enemy and we have a choice to choose what we're going to think the fiery darts that are trying to get in and leaven and penetrate and mess us up or the holy thoughts of God that are going to transform us to think like what we actually are now new creations in Christ Jesus we need to think like we are not think like we see or what someone said you were that's wrong So Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world shape the way you are, the way you think. Be transformed, changed, completely changed. Morphed by the renewing of your mind other translation says the renovating of your mind renovation has anyone been through a renovation in their home before? that's what you do with your mind rip out all the old until it's down to the frame and then put all the new in upgrade it update we need a mind update we need an upgrade The Wiest says it something like, stop thinking like what you're not. This is my phrasing of it. But anyway, don't think like you're not, but thinking like the outward. Don't let your outward expression be based on what you see. Don't think like that. But let your thinking be of what you are on your inside and have your outward expression be reflective of what's inside so the way we are we think that way and the outside changes our behavior changes our actions change our words change what we can do changes and what happens our environment changes That's right. because if each one of us were doing that what would happen how do you take a city how do you take a city how does a little storefront church here that's just you know a few of us in here how do you take a city You get into key places and start influencing. Who's in office? Who's the mayor here? He or she, are they Christian? What if they were? And then the next one, and then the next one, and then what would happen then? So, how can we change things? Well, who in here is a politician? Maybe no one. Maybe we can find someone that is. Maybe we can bring someone in and get them saved. Maybe we can find someone and support them. <clears throat> Some people might not be voted in because they didn't have the money to run because it's all about money. Got to have enough money to have the exposure to even know you're there to even get a voice. See? But if you had five loaves and two fish, you'd have surplus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, so let's look and see how Jesus did things. Let's go over back to John. And I've noticed something about Jesus is he used a lot of speaking. He used words and actions. He said he would say what he heard the Father say and he would do what he saw the Father do. Well, how did he know what did he see and what did he hear when he fed the multitude? The five loaves and the two fish—had that ever been done before? I think it did. Okay, let's look at that instead. Go, go to Second Kings. Go to Second Kings, chapter four. Jesus got what he did from somewhere. He didn't just pull it out of nowhere. God declares the end from the beginning. Let's go to 2 Kings 4. And verse 42. Everyone want to know where 2 Kings is? It's right after 1 Kings. Yeah. Before Chronicles. <laughs> 2 Kings four forty-two. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits. Who's the man of God? It's Elisha. 20 loaves of barley and full ears of corn and the husk thereof and he said give unto the people that they may eat so Elisha received these 20 loaves of bread as a first fruit offering and he says give to the people that they may eat and the servant said what? should I have said this before a hundred men? he said again give the people that they may eat for thus says the Lord oh the Lord said something They shall eat and shall leave. So he said it before them, they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. So a hundred men ate from twenty loaves of barley and the guy didn't think it would be enough. He was embarrassed to do it. And they had extra. And these guys ate. Happened there. Elisha did it wasn't just Jesus mm-hmm. wasn't just Jesus walking on the water Peter did it what about back in uh, chapter 4 verse 1 there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying thy servant my husband's dead and you know that your servant did fear the Lord and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen and Elisha said to her what shall I do for you tell me what do you have in the house oh how many loaves do you have Consider the loaves. He said to her, what do you have in the house? She said, thine handmaid is not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Hmm. Then he said, so just a pot of oil. Go borrow vessels abroad of all your neighbors. Even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when you come in, you shall shut the door upon you and upon your sons, and you shall pour out into all those vessels. So empty vessels. She's got one bottle of oil. She's got all these empty vessels, and she's going to start pouring into them all. Well, usually, if you have one vessel and another, and you pour into it, this one's empty and that one's full. Hmm. Let's consider the loaves and the fishes. Let's consider the loaves and the fishes. How do we think as new creations? How do we think as speaking spirits? How do we think as people of faith? Empty vessels. That's like a hungry man. <coughs> Needs some food. He's an empty vessel. <laughs> empty vessel. Right? So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her two sons, who brought the vessels under her and she poured out. Very similar to the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. He commanded them all to sit down. Order, organized, order, action getting ready for something to take place they didn't just wait and see well we'll just wait and see how it turns out we're just going to go with the flow that's subject to situations and circumstances instead of being independent of them right and it came to pass when the vessels were full whoa she was pouring them out and they all filled up she said bring me yet a vessel and he said unto her there's not a vessel more and the oil stayed it stopped multiplying then she came and told the man of God and he said go sell the oil pay your debt and live thou and thy children of the rest there was extra surplus the need was met the children were free and they had enough to live off of hmm <sighs> Let's think different. John 11. Let's think like Jesus. He's our example of what a yes. member of the body of Christ should be thinking like. So we saw some natural needs met. Physical things. Provisions, that kind of thing. Let's go to John 11. We'll see Jesus using words and actions again. Not actions. Actions. Not words. Words and actions. Verse 33. So this is Lazarus. He died. They put him in the tomb. Stones over the tomb. It's been a number of days. Jesus was out of town. He's come. Verse 33. Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Roll the stone away. Mm. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been in there. He's been dead four days. The Lazarus' body was rotting, and Jesus told him to roll the stone away. Mm. Now, if he didn't have any faith, they would have just had a bunch of smell. <laughs> It would have just stunk. So actions alone don't do it. It's not magic, it's faith. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou would believe thou should see the glory of God? Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me and I knew that thou hearest me always but because of the people which stand by I said that it may that they may believe that thou hast sent me. 43. And when he Thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. He wasn't just going to whisper and see if it happened. And then say, I told you. Roll the stone away. And with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I read the weas the other day and he says, Lazarus, hear out. (laughs) just a command well Lazarus wasn't there the body was there rotting Lazarus had to come back into that body and come forth and he that was dead came forth he raised from the dead with a word whoa bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So here's this mummified body standing at the opening of that tomb with life in it, body all well and healed, restored. Whatever killed him was fixed. Loose him, let him go. Take all that hard, whatever that stuff was off. Or wrappings or whatever it was. (sighs) Wow. Faith and action. Actions alone wouldn't have done it. He could open the tomb all day and smell all day and him not get up from the dead. He could have yelled out, Lazarus come forth and then he couldn't have got out. They had to roll the tomb. stone away. Let's look at another one. This is, this is considering the loaves considering the miracle our heart is not hard Luke 13 we were created to do things with words of faith and actions that correspond that's how we were created it started in the garden God made everything with words he spoke he said it, he saw it. There it was. He said it, he saw it. He said he saw it. Made the man's body. Spoke life into him. Then he brought the man all the animals. He said, you name them. You call them. Whoa. His first assignment in dressing and keeping the garden was Speaking. and then he got kicked out of the garden for his disobedience and he had to just go to scratching working, toiling no words, just actions actions alone don't work well it's toil he was doing pretty good in the garden naming all those animals all those species where did he learn it? wasn't in the public school. It's the Holy Spirit. It's discernment. He just knew. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. Adam just knew. Oh, I know what that one is. Luke 13, verse 10. And he, Jesus, was teaching. He's teaching. Why is that important? Just like in Mark 6, he was teaching. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. He was teaching. Faith was coming. Faith was coming. All those people that got fed those loaves and fishes, they they had faith. They were being taught the word. They were there all day. They ran out to see him. They weren't wayside ground. They weren't hard. They were open. Teach me. Teach me. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. The Amplified says, a demon of sickness. Eighteen years and was bowed together and could no wise lift lift up herself. Amplified says, she was bent completely forward and utterly unable to straighten herself up or to look upward. Imagine that completely bent forward couldn't even lift up her head and look ahead or look up 18 years going to the synagogue bound but Jesus was teaching something was happening and while he was teaching Jesus saw her and called out and said unto her Woman, you are loosed of your infirmity. She wasn't when he said that. 13. And he laid his hands on her. There's some action. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Wow. Wow. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation <laughs> because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite. What's the doctrine of the Pharisees that he said, Beware of? Hypocrite. 18 years. Now, ignorance is one thing. When you don't know, you don't know. But this guy knew something. He called him a hypocrite. And Jesus didn't just throw words around making, calling names to people. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? So you got your animal bound up. It needs some water. On the Sabbath. Yeah, I'll take it for a drink. Hypocrite. But this woman that's been bound up and tied up by this demon of sickness for 18 years, she can't be untied on the Sabbath and led away to the water of salvation? Hypocrite. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, a covenant woman? People that went to the synagogue were children of Abraham, right? Jews covenant people Mm -hmm. all through here healings and people being raised from the dead miracles and one prophet praying for another and miracles happening barren wombs open all through the psalms healing 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 going to synagogue 18 years hypocrite Mm -hmm. he's mad because she got healed you think he would have? whoa look at this glory to God Wouldn't you? This woman's all bent over 18 years, you know, where you see her all the time. And all of a sudden, Jesus just says a word. Woman, you're loosed. Wow. 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 This is how we think. This is how we think. We think like this. We think like this. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. We'll go to chapter 1. What can we do with this? What can we do thinking like we're supposed to think? What can we do realizing who we are, what we actually have, and think like that. He said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. Hypocrisy. Religion. Commandments of men. I didn't read it, but in Matthew 13. Around the 33rd verse, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Which a woman hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. So he likens the doctrine of the Pharisees to leaven, but also the kingdom to leaven. We're to let this word get in us and ferment, bubble up, and get all throughout our whole being, spirit, soul, and body, and affect everything around us. The word is leaven, it's seed, it grows up, becomes greater. Till it takes over. That's another one. It's like a seed, a mustard seed sown in the ground, greatest among herbs, spreads out its great branches, and now the birds are lodging in it. It's so big. Sounds like it's taking over. The leaven, it's taking over that dough. What if we let this take over us and it spread? First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. "The Jews require a sign. They're always demanding for a sign. Show me and I'll believe it. Jesus did never show them signs because they demanded one first. But he did. Many, many signs and miracles for those that would believe first. If you believe what I'm saying? You'll have it. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block. And under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called. Both Jews and Greeks. We're the called. Christ the power of God. And the wisdom of God. Christ the power of God. And the wisdom of God. What's Christ? Christ. It's the anointed one. Not his last name. It's not Jesus' last name. It's Jesus, the Christ. Many, many references say the Christ or the Messiah. The anointed one. What's he anointed with? The Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Anointed with power. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. So Christ is power. Christ is wisdom. Christ is the Spirit of God. It's the anointing. Right? Jesus is on the throne right now. Well, Christ in you, hope of glory. He's on the throne. What's in you? What's on you? That anointing. That same anointing. Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God now go to chapter 2 verse 4 and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God how be it we speak wisdom so we see that Christ is the wisdom of God and Christ is the power of God. says your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Or you could say, in the wisdom of God. My faith is in the wisdom of God. My faith is in the power of God. My faith is in the anointing of God. You see what I did there? Christ, the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God. Just, they're connected. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature. We speak wisdom, we speak power. The anointing's on our words. The anointed word. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. Nor of the princes or the rulers of this world that come to naught. They're coming to nothing. They're passing away. Why? Because the kingdom of God is taking over. Let's expedite this process. I mean, there's a prophetic timeline, but we can <laughs> yes. we can help the thing be better and faster and stronger before that happens. Yes. Start in your own house. Instead of letting the world into your house, let the Holy Spirit come out of you and get into your house and go out there. Instead of having it come in. Cut it off. Don't think like the world. Don't talk like them. Don't enjoy things like them. It's corrupted. It's deceitful. It looks fun, but it's not. It goes down the wrong path. But they've got nothing original. Everything they've got is twisted. You can enjoy, obviously, some similar things, but do it the right way. Right? We still got to eat. But you don't have to eat the king's dainties. Daniel didn't. Proverbs says, put a knife to your throat. And many other things. Anyways. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the prince of this world, that come to naught. Seven. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We're speaking in a mystery, in a secret. Hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Huh, why would they not have crucified the Lord of glory? If they'd have known that ultimately we could speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Hidden wisdom ordained to our glory. How would you like to see what you speak? How would you like to speak something when you don't know what to speak and then see it? We don't always know what we should pray for as we ought. You think you do. Based on what? Limited knowledge. Or that old way of thinking. What if we can speak the exact right thing Without knowing it yet. The princes of this world that are coming to nothing. What if you could control the governments like Daniel did through prayer? Remember Daniel? How many kingdoms did he go through? What, three kingdoms? Four kingdoms? They even tried to throw him in the lion's den one time. Didn't work. He was in there, but... (laughs) What about the other three Hebrews? They went in by faith, were in there praising and came out fine. They had influence. Those kings liked them. They were smart. They were really smart. They were ten times wiser than Babylon's best. Shouldn't we be at least ten times better than the world's best? Instead of just awing and ooing over what the world came up with. We can do better than that. If we can speak the wisdom of God in a mystery and get some revelation. Verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. I liked what the Weymouth says here. It says, using the words of scripture, we are speaking what the eye hasn't seen, what the ear hasn't heard, and hasn't entered into the heart of man. How are we doing that? In the spirit, in other tongues. The wisdom of God in a mystery. What the eye hasn't seen yet, what the ear hasn't heard yet, what we haven't yet understood, things that are beyond our experience, we can speak those things in a mystery which God has prepared for us that love Him. We're the ones that love Him. He's got things laid up ready for us. Ideas, inventions, ways of influencing businesses, whatever. Whatever He's called you to do. How do I get from here to there? I got this idea, but how do I get from here to there? You just you, you see a gap. You're not quite sure how to get there. You got this idea, you got this desire, you got this drive, but you feel stuck. How do you, how do you get over that? How do you walk on the water? I got some food and I got all these thousands of people. I desire to feed them. What do I do? Speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Speak what you haven't seen or understood or had in your heart yet. Or known or ever even experienced before. Maybe you heard a testimony, but you didn't know how it happened. They said it was by faith, but really... How do I do that? Verse 10. God is revealed revelation. He takes away the veil. He lets us see it unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Again, the Weymouth says the depths of the divine nature. Why is that important? Because we're partakers of the divine nature. Spirit is searching the depths of the divine nature, showing us who we are. Revealing to us our abilities. What we can really do. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. So my spirit knows all about me, because that's me. Holy Spirit knows everything about God, because that's him. But he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And everyone here that's been filled with... Holy Spirit, and has been immersed and baptized into Christ, there's a connection there. We're hooked. That's a tight relationship. Right? We know the Lord. We know. No many times in the Bible when it uses the word no it's talking about intimate relationship intercourse we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us there's grace standing there looking at us just waiting for you to say come on in Grace is wonderful. But it's just looking at you in the face without the faith to take it. Just take it. Freely given to us. Which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He'll give us the spiritual words to speak. Those spiritual things that we haven't seen yet. We're speaking what we haven't known. We're speaking what we haven't seen. We're speaking what we haven't understood. We speak it first and then we see it. We speak it first and then we know it. The world can't do that. They got to say what they already know, what they've already heard, what they've already learned. We can speak and then know and then see and then understand Amen. that's quite an advantage yes. so how do you take a city how do you get out there and get a revival going speak it say what you know and then say what you don't know and then you'll know do what you know, and then speak what you don't know to do, and then do it. But you've got to watch out for that carnal mind. Romans 8, carnally minded is death, right? Verse 14, he says, The natural man, the carnal man, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. What if he tells you something you haven't heard before, and you think it's silly? Am I going to put this 20 loaves before 100 men? That's foolish. I'm not even going to try. I've got to go downtown and get some bread. He just missed it. It was foolish. Or, no, thus says the Lord, they're going to have extra. Oh, Lazarus, come forth. What if it doesn't work? That sounds foolish. He stinks. No, his body stinks. <coughs> Don't let the things of God become foolishness. Hallelujah. They don't make no, sense. No, never. It may make sense if you understand and you've considered the loaves and the fishes, but if you haven't, the first time you hear it, it might not make sense. But it is faith. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We need to teach our mind. You can know something without understanding it. I'm sure we've all been there in some aspect or another. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Again, the Weymouth, I like what he says for known. He says penetrated. Known, penetrated, intercourse, passing between, exchanging ideas, communion, fellowship, Holy Spirit, relationship. You don't just start talking stuff. You don't just pull something out of there. Well, I want that and I'm going to do this. We're in a relationship. We're fellowshipping with him. He gives us the desires of our heart. He puts them there. Why do we desire them? Because he put them there. Why do we enjoy it? Because that's how he made us. It wasn't, well, this is just my desire and the Lord gives it to me. Give me. It's not like that. He gives me the desires of my heart. Because I've known and penetrated and had fellowship with his mind. We have the mind of Christ. The Amplified says we hold his thoughts. We hold his thoughts. The book of Psalms talks about in chapter 40 and 139, his thoughts towards us are as numerous as the sand of the sea. They cannot be counted for multitude. He's sending thoughts our way. He's not just thinking about us, though he is. He's also sending us thoughts that we're supposed to take. The enemy's sending thoughts. We're supposed to reject those. If we're supposed to reject them and there's nothing else to take, what are we supposed to do? Holy Spirit is sending us thoughts. They're down here. The enemy's sending us thoughts from out there. Pressure, look at this, feel that, look at me. Mm. I could go on and on and on and on and on. <clears throat> but the point is, we can do something. What could we do if we all got together? What could we do thinking properly? What could we do? There's all kinds of things we could do. It's endless. It says in Isaiah 48, I'm the Lord your God that teaches you to profit, that leads you by the way you should go. Teaching you to profit? What happened to non-profit organization? Isn't that what the church is? No profit? I'm not going to meddle with that because there's benefits there. can be profit. Hello? Got it? He teaches us to profit. Financially, spiritually, physically, so on and so forth. He teaches us to profit. So let's profit. Let's profit in our own lives. Let's profit each other. Let's profit the community. And we can start with prayer. We can start with speaking in other tongues. We can change things we can get ideas we can change things in our business where we work in our home some of you might want to get together and do something together, there's advantage in that two, three, four, five are stronger than one Glory to God. So, let's do something. Everyone that can speak in tongues and believes this, let's stand up. And everyone that doesn't, if you desire to, stand up too. The Lord will fill you right now. Yeah, he will. You got faith to believe. All you got to do is open your mouth and speak what the Holy Spirit's given you. Glory to God. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we believe we receive the desires of our heart. We receive your thoughts. We receive what you have for us, and we thank you, Lord, that you're working mightily in this place, that you're working in the hearts of each one, that you have a plan for us, and it's a good plan that we don't have to be subject to the world and the situations and circumstances around us and be pressed into their mold and subject to their financial system and subject to their economic system, and their political system, and their educational system, and their healthcare system, and all that. We can change all that. We're greater. We're greater because the greater one is in us. We have the faith that overcomes the world, and this is our victory. Thank you, Lord. Remember, the righteous by faith shall live.